Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Anfield Wrap. I am Neil Atkinson and with me I've got Fuad Hassan, I've got Neil Docking and I've got Rob Gutman. Before then though, uh, for the 23-24 season, the Anfield Wrap is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports are showing venues, are showing live televised Liverpool fixtures all across the season. So instead of worrying about a stream, get with your mates and get to the local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Uh, they've launched the Green King Sport, uh, Sport Instagram page, which will be the home to uh, fan content deals and competitions through the season. Uh, so that will be there for you. So if you drop them a follow on Instagram, you'll be the first to find out about everything they're up to. You'll also be helping the Anfield rap and we do some bits and pieces for them as well over the course of the season. Next bit of admin, because if I don't do it at the top of the show, Craig Hannon will have me hung, drawn and quartered. The Anfield rap are on tour uh, in, in North America in November. So if you go to the anfieldrap.com forward slash TAW live, uh, we are in Chicago on Wednesday, the 15th of November. Then Vancouver, Thursday, the 16th. Los Angeles, Friday, the 17th. Phoenix, Saturday the 18th, Austin Sunday the 19th and Atlanta Monday the 20th and then we get to come home uh, and prepare for Manchester City away. Uh, so it's theanfieldrap.com forward slash T-A-W live uh, and you can get all the tickets there and it will be fabulous. I'm really, really looking forward to it genuinely. It's going to be the absolute business because we're getting to talk about this wonderful football team. Um, I've got Fuad, Neil and Rob and we can have it all. I read this on your agenda and I thought I was on the American tour and you hadn't told me. Uh, no, no, no. I thought that was, that was a bit of a shock, but okay. And you. <laughs> Good way to prepare for Man it, City a week of drinking in America. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you sold me. <laughs> Sorry. They're very good, aren't they? Liverpool. Liverpool uh, 3, Nottingham Forest nil for the business. Yes. Uh, it was a nice, calm one. We seem to be getting calmer as the season's developing, don't we? The, uh, the obligatory giving the opposition a goal start. I'm not saying it's a distant memory, but it is, it, it is not something we're doing a, a, as routinely. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the patience of, of it. I mean, that's to state the obvious. Because the first, the first fifth. When did we score first? Was it twenty-two or something like that, or twenty-seven? Mm. I don't know. It feels, it feels like I was waiting a while, and I was patient, and that's not normal. <laughs> but the, the, the patience was was something to be admired. Because if you watch the highlights back of that, I don't think we have a, a shot or a highlight-worthy effort before we actually score. But it's okay. Forest have come with that game plan to low block the fuck out of it, and they do it really well. But Liverpool, I feel like I've watched Liverpool teams in the past where you go. This is going to be a desperately long afternoon because we we have no ideas how to get around this. But we were just patient. We were pulling them from side to side to side, waiting and waiting. And when that chance, the half chance came, we took it. It was it was a wonderful thing to behold. It is consummate, Fuad. Mm. It is professional. Um, I, I would have liked the fourth, uh, but I never really wanted the fifth. And the reason why is five, everyone can get a little bit carried away. Yeah. Uh, there can be a little bit of, you know, it, it, it feels almost too much in a way for one game. Uh, I like the feeling of a truly professional Liverpool that just deals with the Nottingham Forest, um, gets its business done, gets out. Yeah, it, it's a few sort of three nos, three ones now, isn't it, at Anfield this season? And, and that, it, it's always nice to three no, I think. I think, obviously, from the second goal onwards, it, it felt a little bit flat till the third goal came but that was Liverpool sort of resting and I'm, I'm sorry I've jumped ahead there a bit but it was it was everything I wanted to see in terms of you know a post-Thursday uh, a post-Thursday sort of Europa League performance where you have everyone back you know you have the first you have your starters you have the players you've got got a bit of momentum from that Thursday game in, in Gravenberch and in Jota who've been able to come into the side ride, ride that kind of crest of a wave and and you know they, they've, they've all sort of They've all contributed in that in every sense, I think. It felt like one of those where, you know, even players who didn't shine particularly 
let other players shine. And I thought that even with, with Savozlai, a lot of the good stuff we saw with with Trent, with Salah, was, was him just facilitating it in a really subtle way a lot of the time, drifting out wide, pulling players apart. They all seem in such good kind of rhythm with each other and creating tempo, you know, on, in, in possession. I think that's been the hard thing, you know, when Liverpool have sort of made this evolution in terms of being a bit more dominant on the ball. Sometimes when it is, when it is games like that, you do have to create your own tempo, your own intensity. Um, and a lot of that you can tell at the start if Liverpool have got that in them, they did, they did, they did on Sunday. If if seemed to me, Neil, and I wrote this when I wrote the piece last night, they almost up the temperature or move through the gears almost in such an imperceptible way. So as soon as it felt like they upped it, they went one nil. Just be for two minutes, three minutes before Nunez gets in from a similar tight angle, and he has a really optimistic shot where he tries to force it past the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper saves it like he should. And then Nunez is in again. Two, three minutes. Like it genuinely felt like, right, we've gone up a level. And then suddenly it was one. And then we went up a level and then suddenly it was two. And we're like, right, that's that then. Uh, for at least until half time. That's it was it was it was the, the old metaphor about upping the temperature, boiling a frog. That's what Liverpool do to Nottingham Forest in that first half period. Yeah, I didn't expect us to be talking about boiling frogs. And, and yeah, here we are. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, it's grim, isn't it? Again. It's a hate <laughs> it's, 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 it's horrible. Yeah. It's really unpleasant. Yeah. It's really unpleasant. Uh, yeah, spooky one. I regret the whole thing now. It's wrong. You meant well. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered if we saw the game that we would have seen against Everton if it hadn't been for the red card where we were starting to feel yeah. like we were going to force something, we were going to create something with the, the counters we had against them before the red card, and then the game changes because they necessarily change. But obviously it's the second week in a row where we've played the dross of the league at home, where... <laughs> well, but it is. Yeah, to yeah. give them their full title. <laughs> to give them their full title. Apart from side brethren. But it's the second week in a row where we played the dross of the league at home, and it felt to me just like a, a no contest. I didn't... At no stage was I concerned or under any or any illusions that we were going to win the game, uh, not going to win the game. Um, and you know, we just upped it. And as you say, we've got so much quality now in, in the attacking side of things. It's, our attacking prowess is so, so vast that I just expect the goal to come. But then when the first goal did come, as you say, we then increased everything. The tempo mm. went up another level. I thought Jota was so good for for both goals. Yeah. Mm. You know his anticipation for the first one, and then the second one. It's him who who checks and cuts back and plays that lovely ball swept across the side, and then Sabozlai and Salah. Um, all game long, Salah was playing that almost blind pass around corners for Sabozlai on the overlap, and you can just tell that he loves that Salah. He loves having Sabozlai there, um, making that run. And the difference to when Henderson used to make it is Sabozlai just has so much more quality on the ball in terms of the cross he can then put in. I mean, he just serves it up on a plate for Nunes. And then at two nil, it just felt the game was just done and dusted. It was over at that point, and we, we played a little bit like that for for half an hour. Yeah, yeah I, I was Neil. Come back to you on that. My only real sort of period of, of anything that approached anxiety was sort of from 55 to about 65, 70, so, solely because they had Ioniwi on the bench, and we've seen what he can do to us in the past, he looks such a good player. He was excellent times. in April, wasn't he? He was excellent in April, and I was just concerned if he comes on, this could change a little bit, they haven't had a focal point, they're going to get one, but like that's what I was worried about, if you see what I mean, like I wasn't worried about anything that I was actually seeing on the pitch there, and then I wasn't like, oh this is how they're going to get back in or anything like that, I was worried about the potential threat of a footballer who looked good from April who's coming back from injury, and that's, that is the, that that was my only real concern, and then just at the moment where you might have been able to articulate that concern, suppose like plays a brilliant uh, blind yeah. pass through to yeah. Salah, confusion ensues, uh, left-backs get in the way of goalkeepers and then he, he calmly strokes it into the net. And this is, again, this feeling of there was maybe the missed chance from Dominguez where he doesn't get the shot away just before. And I sort of felt as though that sort of Liverpool out. It was like, all right, yeah, that one's happened. So now what we're going to do is going to be better again. And then yeah. the chance was there to counter and there, there's the goal. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, it was is, almost it is, a jolt, wasn't it? And, and it, but the, my point though is that, that that's how calm we all were. It was, we, you were concerned about potential threat, not any actual threat. Yeah, well, I like how you're describing the football fan psyche there. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're sitting there imagining problems that might materialise. Yeah. Um, it, it felt almost, it felt almost Benitez-esque, I thought, that 10, 15 minutes. And that's something we've very rarely seen under Klopp where you look at the clock and it's 55 and then you're just sort of talking amongst yourselves you know watching but not really paying too much attention oh it's 70 minutes um, yeah. you know last season especially we just couldn't have a quiet 10 minutes mm -hmm. at no stage in the season did it feel like we had a quiet 10 minutes in us whereas now we're just able to just control hold at arm's length and again that's something we've not really seen other than perhaps the title winning season it's not been you know, even even before that under Jurgen, when we were great, it was just all or nothing, wasn't it? All the time it felt. Um, whereas now we just have that ability to to see out ten or fifteen minutes, and 
when the third goal comes, there is the, there's always that relief because then the result is officially confirmed in your mind. You think, well, three 0 we've, we've definitely got the three points here, um, and and much thanks to Turner for the for the helping hand on the way. But um, I, I have to say, at no point was I was w- worried really, even even with the prospects of Orney on the bench. They. I think the manager talks about it a little bit afterwards. They stay compact while being creative. So Forrest have only got themselves two shots by the 84th minute. Uh, I mentioned before the Dominguez non-shot, which is an opportunity. You know, mm. he, should, he should get a shot away. It doesn't get counted in the stats because he doesn't strike the ball. I mean, we have a couple of instances not dissimilar in the game as well. It's worth pointing out as part of football. But on the whole, Liverpool, for me, what's most impressive is that they are able to be continually creative, carry a threat, whilst also just being genuinely very, very compact. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is a bit of a sea change in the way the opposition are approaching us as well, <clears throat> especially at Anfield. I think what we saw last season is some early examples of emboldened teams getting their award, and then we hit, we, we get into the whole syndrome of being this team who are fragile uh, and vulnerable to the first strike by, by, a, by a smaller team who goes, you know what, the best thing to do against Liverpool, have a go at them. That happens and becomes sort of like it became like a vicious cycle for us. But we've almost we've reversed the the trend really. We've we've shown we're a really good team. We've battered. I mean, our Anfield record now. I think we're a, a year or over a year without defeated Anfield. We must have strung quite a number of wins together quietly, or a number of wins with with maybe one missing. So teams, I think, and you could see it against Everton. You could see it again, definitely again against Forest. These were teams which came with really no ambition at all. And I think that enables us to look more defensively solid. And Klopp talked a lot. I know you want to talk about him in depth. Arthur talked a lot about McAllister. Um, I, yeah, he gives you the six that isn't the six role, which is what you need against a low block. So you get to look everything. You get to look compact, but yet you just have this creative hub rather than having a de- the defensive shield, which you don't need. I think it looks compact. I, don't, I wonder how compact it looks against, uh, you know, a peer like a Man City or an Arsenal. That, those are tests. But, the, but it is progress. No, but what I think, Rob, for me, the whole game, and, you know, Neil's called it the dross, which is fine. I just mm. say the bottom ten. I think it, I think <laughs> a bit it, more respect there. Uh, I, think <laughs> bodes, I think it bodes well for the beat the bottom ten plan. Last season, home oh, yeah. and away, Liverpool, Liverpool don't get anywhere near enough points from the teams that finish in the bottom ten. Home and away. Better at home, like you say, but away, a bit of a problem over this. I feel as though this whole thing bodes really well for this idea that there's 60 points available against the teams that finish in the bottom 10. And I think this is a Liverpool team that's built to get at least 55. At least 55. And I think they'll be disappointed if they don't. Yes, and I think the key to doing that is to set the marker down, which we have to, to put them in their place early on, to just go, look, this is what happens when we play you. It's not going to be this mad game where, where occasionally a, a Leeds beat Liverpool at home or, or, or a Forest get to beat us away. You know, touch wood, that's just something we've moved their psyches away from here. So, yeah, I think, I think it's important to... It's, it's, it's easy enough for us... It's the easiest thing in the world to say we should get 55 out of 60 or 60 out of 60, but we've got to walk the walk. And against all the... We haven't dropped points against the lower teams yet, have no. we? So who is it? It's Chelsea, Spurs, and... Remind me, somebody else we dropped points against. This Brighton. Brighton. Brighton, OK. So all top sides. So and all the way. Yeah, so we've completed the task 100% thus far. And I think it's big, football is noticing. I think as part of this, that's where the quality of the goals uh, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. And the quality of the, th- the, the differing threats that all four of the forward players who play in the game uh, have got from a Liverpool point of view and what they're backed up by. But the quality of the moves for the goals is just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to watch. It's brilliant to see how, you know, not only are we talking about the three the three that play up top combining and, and sort of interchanging, if you like, but also you get the surge from midfield that, you know, we've been longing for, that we've sort of been craving after last season. And and I, I really like that sort of, the idea of what Salah sort of has become in this and, and how, you know, Jota and Nunez especially, I think the two of them together as well, they're complement each other quite nicely. I, I feel like Nunez has that natural tendency still um, in, in moments, in the right moments, to drift out, to to play in that little channel that Salah slips him through for the first goal, doesn't he? And, and he gets the shot away. And when he when he is sort of sharp, when he is ready, you know, he can be deadly, can't he, with, with, with his finishing. And it's it's actually the nature of the shot that creates that goal because, you know, it is going in that top corner and the keeper's forced, you know, to get anything on it and, and 
direct it anywhere he can. Uh, so you know, essentially, it's an assist, isn't it? Really, in, in terms of how he how he strikes it, and yeah, Jota Jota as well. I, I just really like the intelligence that they've shown, and the, the fact that they've that all three of them have the ability to to go beyond each other, but then also hang back and play the pass is is really sort of encouraging. And I was I was just in love with that right hand side deal. I really really loved how you know the the, the three of them Trent uh, Sabozlai Salah played with each other and just sort of the the the, the freedom, but also sort of the control that they had when needed is kind of back to what Liverpool were at their best where we, where we see that right hand side just control games sort of on its own and, and, and allow each other to sort of make runs in behind and, and, and have that freedom so it's really exciting to see those partnerships and trios especially back I, th- I think the, the interesting thing about the right hand side is Salah's it's an obvious one but Salah's changing role yeah it used to be that when we came out in the transition that Salah would be the widest man to the right and we would look for him to get to exploit the space in behind and to use that explosive pace, which he doesn't quite have anymore. We've now, we now tuck him right in. He's, he's almost like the Harry Kane figure we want to pop mm. the ball into and a Nunes or, or Soboslai will run off, off the back of him, off the side of him, into spaces. That, it's almost like Trent and Salah both going narrow, yeah. sucking everyone in and then there's absolute open space for, for anyone. I mean, it's not just Soboslai and uh, Nunes, by the way. Yeah, the, the, the goal that wasn't against Spurs is Luis Diaz making mm. that run. We just, we're just pulling everyone to the to the side of the pitch that they, they don't want to be on. Exactly, and, and he looks so comfortable out there as well, so Boz, like when he does have to drift out wide, I mean, he literally plays there for Leipzig, doesn't he, for, yeah. for a little bit, but he looks so comfortable, you know, coming out in that position, and the quality, like Neil said before, is is, is supreme, isn't it? And, and then later on, we see him, you know, change roles again, and you see him and pop up in central positions and get shots away. So the, the fact that, you know, if you're if you're an opposition sort of, uh, you know, full back and, and, and midfield, and you're looking at, you're looking at what Liverpool have got to offer in, in, in an attacking sense. It, it is sort of wave after wave because you know you, you think you've got Mo Salah and then suddenly you've got this you know midfielder bursting through the lines and creating sort of havoc and and pushing you all over the place and space opens up then for the others. So it's it it, it it's so great to see and it's so sort of naturally it, it naturally works. Obviously, lots of work goes into it, but it just feels so natural at the moment. It's the variety to it as well, isn't mm. it? I think at the start of the season. All the focus was on Trent Alexander-Arnold in the new position, and it felt like all of our play was going through him all of the yeah. time. And I wondered if that was going to cause problems for us later down the line, where people are going to target him, you know, stop him, stop Liverpool. And I thought he had a good game yesterday, and he's able to show his quality, but it, but it doesn't have to be focused on him. All our play doesn't have to build from him. And I think, again, even with uh, Robertson out injured, you might think the focus would be even more on Trent, but I didn't really notice that. I think that we're building centrally far more often and then fanning out wide, um, you know, the latter stages of attacks, whereas yes. it used to always be the switch early on. So, it's yeah, it's fantastic to watch. Next thing for me, Neil, was excellent performances from McAllister and Van Dijk in, in, in sort of quite different ways. You know, it was one of those games that Virgil's involved in but you feel as though he's rising above dictating doing all the obvious stuff that he does when he's at his very best but McAllister first because he really really set the tone of winning every battle early in the game but not just winning the battle in terms of you know coming out with the ball or the ball going dead immediately being able to progress it and move it forward you know and that's why I thought that the creativity of him while still doing all that other stuff as well I thought was was so so important because it just meant that if you were Nottingham Forest you never had a minute to get set you were always never quite set because McAllister's got Liverpool the ball back and on the front foot yeah because when he wins it he's not looking for a sideways pass mm. or back to his centre half he's looking to turn and, and progress us forward immediately and obviously we saw that with the first goal um, I, I'm not sure if I appreciated quite how good his performance was at the time. Um, I came out the ground thinking he played well, but it was only when I watched it back I realised that he was involved in quite so much. Um, so yeah. that speaks to me and not, not paying attention. <laughs> but, well, it speaks to the nature of that, of that certain bit of that role. You saw, yeah. some, you know, if I say take it for granted, it's the wrong mm. way to phrase it, but it is doing the dirty work, and, and you like the dirty work to be done. You yeah. just don't necessarily want to watch it at times. Or and yeah. I think that's the thing. But well, again, the dirty work was done, but the flip side was very, very quickly it was into the ball progression as. As I'm concerned. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I think you can focus on the brilliance, the attacking brilliance of Sabozla and Grammar Birch as well, because it's so eye-catching. You know the way they play and the you know, the speed with which they uh, carry the ball forward. But no, he was he, he was excellent. Um, it was something like seven or eight. Was it really crucial recoveries? I'm sure that's a, a Phil Blundell stat that I'm passing off as fact. <laughs> excellent. Um, but uh, no, it was superb. But 
I, you may move on before I get the chance to say this. I just thought Van Dyke was supreme. I'm going to bring you back around to Van Dyke. Oh, okay, Don't worry at all. Van Dyke's, Van Dyke's getting a good 10 minutes here. We'll come back <laughs> on to Van Dyke, Fuad. Uh, for me, one of the things that I thought was noticeable from McAllister mm. was it looked like the game where, in terms of not just the winning it back, but in terms of being able to progress it quickly, it looked like the game where he knew where all of his teammates were. For the first time, I felt it really looked like it wasn't just as simple as he knew exactly where he was, he knew exactly what he expected the opposition to do, and he knew, without even having to look or just a very, very quick little little screen, he knew Sabozlai will be there, Gravenberg will be there, Salah will be there, Trent will be there. It looked for the first time like he had that knowledge as well. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, we talk about doing the dirty work, but I think the evolution of that role and what, what the manager sort of wants from that role now and what we're seeing generally is, you know, you have to do the ugly bit, but then really quickly you have to switch and play the intricate ball and play the really smart, sharp uh, pass full of quality. And, you know, he does it He does it again, doesn't he? He does it a few times uh, yesterday. And then, you know, there's also the one in the derby, isn't there, before the second goal, where he plays such a brilliant piercing ball through the middle of the pitch. And it's such a hard thing, I think, to to sort of, to, to make look good, because when it does go wrong, it really doesn't look great. And it looks like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's, he's lost the ball again just on the transition. But I'm really enjoying the fact that he's sort of, He's sort of comfortable now doing that. He looks a, he looks a lot more comfortable doing that dirty dirty work and relying on the others around him. And he's got such good ball carries to feed the ball to. You know, if it's not if it's not the forwards, it's Sabozlai, it's Gravenberch, it's Trent now who's able to come into those positions. Yeah. And that just makes everything sort of a lot easier. And it, it makes those channels that he has to feed the ball through look much bigger than they probably did a few weeks ago. I didn't realise what a good technical player he was, having watched him last season. I thought he was a, a play knitter. You know, obviously intelligent, Good one, I thought he was a good one-touch footballer. He'd keep you moving. Ideal for what we need. But his quality... I mean, less so... I mean, in the derby, I think he really excelled. He, he showed his range of passing. But he is a quality passer of the ball. He, you, you can play... He is, in an old-fashioned money, a playmaker. And you could play him mm. 20 yards further forward or where we're playing him now. I think when you have two eights the way we do who are able to put pressure on the ball ahead of him, he's able to play this Pirlo-like role or even not quite shabby Alonso because he's a different style of player, but it's not a million miles off it. He is truly creative from that in a way that we're not used to seeing on the clock because Fabinho was not that player, although he's technically very strong and he could play a pass, but we weren't asking him to do that. But I feel we're doing, we've adapted the way the midfield plays and Klopp's always right. He always, he always says this. Yes, he's not a six, but he can play a six, but it depends what everyone else does. Yeah, when yeah. everyone else does that job, the eights is really what he, I think who he's talking about primarily, but also the forwards are required to do, do the pressing. Then he can be this absolute sublime playmaker, and that's what we're seeing. I think it's interesting what you said there about what everyone else does as well, because I think there's already a focus on, well, well how will he do in that role against Manchester City? How will he perform yeah. against Arsenal? Obviously, the proof's in the pudding. But... So Bosley, we've seen in some of these games, is able to drop back and sit in alongside him yeah. and give him that extra protection. So it won't be something that he has to do on his own when suddenly we face, you know, the, the quality, the top quality sides, sides at our level or higher in the in the league. It'll be a, it'll be a team effort. They'll be alongside him, helping him in that role. I have a mad shout for when we eventually how this team evolves. If we st if Sir Bosley McAllister. And let's just pick Gravenberch become the sort of the three chosen together more than most, although Curtis Jones is putting his hand up here somewhere. But but let's just go with that argument. I could actually see Gravenberch and Sabozlai doing a double pivot role with McAllister ahead of them as the playmaker behind the front three against the harder teams. It's a bit early to call it because I think they need practice doing it. But I just think the f physicality of Gravenberch and Sabozlai, they could be an incredible double pivot. I know I'm going off piste here, but That's fine. it's a shout for the future. I, I like it as a shout. The manager spoke uh, intriguingly of McAllister. Uh, I think today everyone can see the benefits of a player who comes from the offensive side of the game rather than the other side. In a game where you have to create things, where you have to pass, where you have to switch sides. That's how it is because not all balls reach the target uh, and went on to talk about the counter-pressing from there and how well he had defensively a lot of top moments, really killed the counter and stuff like this. Van Dijk then, Neil. Uh, we are uh, at the Van Dijk point. I think it's another two back-to-back -back home performances uh, where I think he's been absolutely sublime. Uh, I think... He's managed to effectively run the football match uh, from left-hand side at centre-half and anticipated everything brilliantly and got Liverpool moving forward uh, expertly. Yeah, I mean, he was always a leader and he was always someone who organised and was always talking. Always, But it seems more than ever now, he's almost directing everything ahead of him. You know, everything comes with his instruction, mm. um, which is great to see. But the other thing for me is when he was, he was peak, he obviously had those physical gifts that set him apart from any other player in the world in his position. 
And sometimes the skill of his defending was in not engaging and not even having to defend. You know, people used to joke about him defending by aura alone, where he would just sort of channel people the way he wants them to go. Now I like the fact that he's almost actively engaging in the art of defending. It's it's like he's switched on all the time. He, it's not the same. He almost it was almost like it was such a relaxed style that he had at his peak. Whereas now there's just more aggression with it, and I can see him. You can see him really relishing every individual jewel, and it's a different type of Virgil that we haven't seen before. And it turns out he's bloody brilliant at that as well. It's yesterday's performance, as I say, building on the Everton performance. For me, I think it's it's invaluable now that he gets to have the week break. I think it's you know for me, I think it helps helps him massively, but in terms of focus, in terms of being able to hit levels, uh, and you'll have that as well between this one and Luton. You would have thought you'd I very much wouldn't expect him to play any part against Bournemouth. So I think that that's helping him. But I think that there's also, there is also this idea that the manager actually says in his comments around um, McAllister and other bits and pieces, it helps when you've got defenders who can defend into midfield. And it looks to me like he's enjoying that bit as well massively. So on, on the, 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 the McAllister conversation, in a way, the argument around Sir Bosley and Gravenberg and what else is going on there is valid. But the other thing that's happening as well is at times Canate and Van Dijk, and I think your point is Van Dijk's now doing it more mm. and coming all the way in to win the first yeah. thing to then set up the play. Yeah, being even more proactive than he was at his best, yeah, certainly. And, and we all know about his range of passing on the ball too when he steps forward into midfield. So... Uh, yeah, I'm just really, really enjoying watching him play at the moment. I think so many questions have been asked of him. He's obviously had such a difficult year last year with the World Cup and the, the fact that you allude to that he's just playing far too many games. We were relying on him more than we should. Uh, certainly for a player who came back from such a serious injury as well. He was just thrown straight back in at the deep end. So it's you know we've been far smarter now with his use and obviously we're able to do that because of the quality in reserve with Canate and Matip and Gomez. He does. I mean, I think in a way he was un, a little unfairly uh, judged last season as well, in as much as he has that injury, and I think he doesn't start for. It's nearly six weeks after he, Brentford on Jan third, and we don't see him for quite a while. And then he's, he's but either side of that, he's in a team that's struggling, quite frankly, and, and players alongside him in, in Matip and occasionally Gomez, who are going through personal bad spells, and Canati, who's not available for large things. And also, yeah, his you can see, his, but it is fair to say his body language was different last season. He was a, he cut a frustrated figure at time. He couldn't be he couldn't be the, the, the person he wants. Even Virgil Van Dijk needs to play with confidence, right? I think he did the very best in the world need confidence. And I think this season, the the, the the strengthening around him, the legs around him, the energy around him has allowed him to re. Didn't his, he didn't need rebuilding, but he's able to have gained a new sense of himself. I mean, there's no doubt the captaincy helps at all. I do wonder sometimes whether we can imagine these things, but I do think it's there. Yeah. He, is a, he is a complete... What I think we are finally seeing is the road to home to how we can still have Virgil van Dijk as a key member of our team for at least another three years. I hope we don't get to the situation and go, there are going to be games where somebody does him for pace, some new young whippet, and we go, ah, he's gone, he's not the same. And I think we just have to be calm around that and realise that's not his job anymore. Yeah, totally. I, I think, you know, from for the simple fact, like he do, he's not having to shout at his midfielders as much as he used no. to. And that's something I've noticed with him. It, it, it is a lot more calm and it's a lot more sort of organised around him. I mean, he's always operated at his best, like any football player would, uh, when that is sort of the environment around him. And it's even more important, I think, when you're a centre-off, you have the whole game in front of you. you. You you see it, you probably see where it's going wrong more than anyone else. And for him to see all these pieces of the, of the puzzle fitting now, it's, it's it, it probably makes life really easy for him. And, you know, even in this period that he's, he's come back this season and last season as well you know he had to figure out his body again and he had to figure out how he had to evolve as a player and and sort of utilize his strengths and utilize his, his sort of physique again um to to become this sort of new version of himself i don't think there's been massive differences i don't think there's like a huge sort of change in how, he, how he's been playing overall but i think you know against sides like forest it is a different role when you're a centre half, isn't it? It is different in terms of where you're going to win the ball back, where you're going to be positioned, what your responsibilities are on the ball, and who you, how you play it, and things like that. You're not seeing, you didn't see loads of the big cross diagonal passes that he used to do. But it's it's intelligence and it's sort of making sure everyone around him is 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 aware of where they need to be. And I think you know, as a captain, but also just as a centre half, that's so important when you're at that sort of elite level to sort of feel that comfort. The other one already brought up to an extent by Fuad uh, is. Jota slash Nunez. I think mm. we've talked a lot about Nunez and Salah over the course of the campaign, and there's reason to continue to talk about Nunez and Salah, don't get me wrong. 
But I thought that they dovetailed really, really well. Um, the constant roving of both of them. And I think there's something with Nunez's movement last couple of games when he's been involved is that it's been actually just genuinely quite conventional. It's been top quality, but quite conventional. It's not been this this notion of no one quite knows where he's going to be. He's exactly where a centre-forward should be. Quite continually, Rob. And I think that that's helping everyone and that interchanging them with Jota and what Jota brings, because I think Jota's first-half performance is absolutely brilliant yeah. against Forrest. And, and what the two of them show there, I thought, was just was immense. And it becomes this question of, well, you need a Salah plan and you need a Nunez plan and you need a Jota plan and you need a Sabotelay plan. You can only have so many plans. You can only have so many plans before you play a football match. Yeah, what we're seeing as well, as much as all the qualities they naturally bring and the intelligence they have as forwards is f- consistency of form. We're getting that now from 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 all of them. You, you're not having the game. I don't know what Jota was doing today, really, mm. or Nunes. It, it was a bit mad, you know, and you know, question mark, question mark against him. Get, you know, get, I, I feel confident. I know he's he's come back from an injury, but but when he's fully up to speed within a couple of weeks, hopefully, I think you could just drop Gakpo in, and I think you'll yeah. we'll be saying the same things about him. Um, Lewis, Almost all four forward score yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Virtue, but, but for, same for Lewis. But, but for the fact that Gakpo was nine yeah. yards offside, and no one's got any idea where the line is, just given it the time. It was, it was an old school. The entire ground knew he was offside. <laughs> so yeah, that obviously applies to Lewis Diaz as well. But those two, those two were the were the guys in possession yesterday. I totally agree with you about Nunes. I'm more, I'm fascinated by, but I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when he has this. Uh, now, uh, what's the word? Legendary conversation with Bielsa earlier in the season, where, where Bielsa is his international manager, for those who don't know, sort of sat him down on a Zoom call. A couple of Zoom calls, they went through exactly how he could up his game. And I think a lot of it's been is just, as you say, just do centre forwardy things. Because he he makes the runs that classic Liverpool forwards that in my lifetime have made. He makes Ian Rush like runs. He makes yep. Pete Torres like runs. Very Torres, I thought, yes. Yeah. He's, there's, I've, I've noticed a little bit of him in recent performances, a little bit less of the, the squash and the buckle that he's, mm. that he's felt in the need to do. But, but he has that when he wants it. When he, when he, and Salah slips him in for the first, the whip on the shot, which is quietly a speciality of his, is just so phenomenal. So much spin on the ball. The, the, the keeper, I know he, he'll take some flack for it, and Andy and I were talking about, about it beforehand. I, I think it's harsh. He's, he's either letting that in or he's palming it back into play. It's really up the job of the defenders around him to deal with that. But it is all about Nunes. And, you know, uh, Soboslai puts it on a plate for him for number two. But you just do have to be there. Mm-hmm. That, is a go- that is a goal, you know, only certain types of forwards seem to score. You, know, you can have a lot of watch different types of Liverpool forwards and some... I'll pick for, for out of nowhere a Collymore back in the day, or uh, I don't know. They just came to mind. They didn't score that kind of goal. They weren't natural poachers. And I think with him and Jota, and Gapo to a degree, and Mo Salah to a degree, they're all natural poachers. And I have to throw in uh, Luis Diaz. Quite frankly, has scored quite a few goals on the edge of the six-yard box. May not be as readily in those positions because he's asked to make the pitch bigger. I think more than the others are. But they're all natural. It feels they're all on the verge of being able to say these are natural goal scorers. All yeah. five of them. Other, other than whether Fuad will show up or he'll be on holiday in Dubai, <laughs> there's nothing that excites me as much as seeing Darwin Nunes at the moment when I go to the game. Um, no, agreed. <laughs> I, I just can't wait to see him every game and just see him involved. And it's it's interesting we have this moment on Wednesday where you know obviously all the memes again, you know all the all the rhetoric about the the, the miss, but it missed that the build up to the miss was something you've very rarely seen from a Liverpool forward outside of maybe Luis Suarez in recent years, Salah at his best. If he scores, we're gushing about that goal, yeah. by I, the way. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you take into account the quality of the opposition, but the way he rounded the defender first and then rounded the goalkeeper, I mean, it was it was reminiscent of, you know, R9, you know, you know the original Ronaldo at his peak. I remember him giving a great interview and he said, why do you run around goalkeepers so often? Why do you take around the keeper? He just said, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to run around the goalie. And Nunes could have stopped... <laughs> And, and slid it in. That was the. He could have just run into the net with the ball. Um, but he's he's just taken that. He, he brushed it off on social media, didn't he? And and yesterday he, he didn't seem at all phased by a couple of early misses, a couple of missed hits. I think there's one missed kick, doesn't he? Early on, um, and he's you know he, when you said it was almost a speculative shot, the one the keeper palms wide. But there's always a possibility with the way he hits it. He hits it so hard yeah. and so heavy. Yeah, there's, there's a gonna, heaviness to the way he hits yeah. it. And as Rob says, there's this one with the fade, yeah. and there's the one as I say that feels like it hits heavy. You've yeah. got to deal with that. It's going to be hard to deal with. Yeah, it creates huge problems and. He, 
he's um he's an, he's an amazing focal point for our side uh, and then Jota as we discussed we've not really touched upon the fact that Jota's coming to the game at the last minute not expecting to start at least mm. because of the Luis uh, Diaz situation obviously with his parents and um, being kidnapped in, in Colombia and thoughts with him and his family and hope that's resolved as quick as possible um, but Jota's come in and he's as you mentioned Rob he's been on such a rich vein of form Jota it feels like he's been you know he's getting his minutes here and there used quite sparingly but he's always popping up with a goal he's always contributing to a goal he's actually in a great vein of form and yeah. could be and could yesterday have thought to himself well I deserve a start mm. um, I think he's got 12 in 20 Start, uh, it's 12 in his last 20 start 20 appearances something like that wow. it's second only to Salah in terms of his yeah yeah that's fantastic and we've seen in the past with him when he's on this kind of a run you just want to see him get as many minutes mm. because we're seeing it. but then with Nunes I saw a stat that it starts uh, 8 goals and 8 assists this season in, in all appearances for club and country yeah um, so he's averaging a goal and assist every 59 minutes and he just looks like a constant threat. He's a goal a game as well. Just he's yeah. just with the old old fashioned just goal stats. Now it's yeah. been, but it is it is a goal a game. I mean, I mean we're no longer clinging to the assist to bolster his statistics, which is <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's always involved as well. I think, and, and that can sometimes be a good thing. Well, that's obviously a good thing, but it can also be a bit of a bad thing. But I think you know previously when he's not been involved, it, it feels like oh, it's not his day. But he's he's now got the the sort of confidence and ability to to contribute in other ways all over the pitch. You know the the way he sort of holds onto the ball. There's been a couple. There there was a couple of times yesterday where, you know, he was he, he won the ball back in our own half, or he, he was sort of received the ball in our own half, and he he wins a foul when there's two three players around him, and just just as smart with his body, just smart with with how he manipulates the ball and, and brings others in, and I I think that's a bit that hasn't really been talked about too much, you know, maybe outside our bubble, just how 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 much he contributes. I don't think Harlan's doing some of the stuff he does in terms of other parts of the pitch and and bringing other players into it, not just in terms of assists, but I think just just general link up and intelligent passing. He's he's got that ability to play a long raking ball but also the short intricate ones as well the next part of this Rob is the assurance you know started off saying we could have it all it's the combination of knowing the ropes with some of them and the excitement for others of it being the first time for some of these lads in terms of being what feels like the business end you don't win anything after 10 games uh, but you can lose it and we saw that last season and I'd argue we're seeing it now in a, in a few of the sides who are beneath us in the table you know it was interesting to me after after yesterday's results you can see a break between 5th and 6th and it, it, that stuff creeps up on you if you're not careful it's daylight 5 points suddenly real daylight Ooh. that suddenly just hits and you're like oh how did that happen but you can see it feels to me anyway as though Liverpool should only be looking upwards yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm not ruling Newcastle out of this. They slipped at the week at the weekend and didn't look as good as they have recently. But I, they've got it in them, I think, to go and win five out of six. I'm not saying they'll they'll sustain that rate all season, but they've got they've got it in them. So I wouldn't rule them. But broadly, yeah, it feels that way. It's almost a question which of those this top five would you would you would you better get falling? It feels like statistically one should join that group, and I'm put my money on Newcastle, and one should fall away in the next ten. Um, it's interesting to see which. I think a lot of people might say Villa, but some crafty money might put some money on Tottenham, although it would take some fall away now, given the start they've made. But yeah, there, this is an interesting league, this, isn't it? I don't think that after 10 games, you definitely have the pattern set. You know, we've seen so many seasons. I mean, I think in the, the year Chelsea win it under Conte. Conte yeah. Liverpool, mm. are after the first 10, I think might even be top, something like that. And we actually do reasonably well the next, but but you see a falling away of teams. So it's, it's difficult to say. I even think it's difficult to count chickens as far as we're concerned. The thing that I do like about our positioning, I, mean, I, can't, I haven't analysed all the other teams in as much detail, is we have a, a lot of players with a lot more to come. And we, every, all these conversations we're having about individuals, and you know it must come. I'm looking at Darwin Nunes and thinking, bar him being unlucky with injury again or some mad sending off, unless he gets those sort of interruptions. But if he gets a clean, a clean run at it, I think he's going to get better and better and you're going to see some braces, you're going to see a hat-trick and you're going to see a confidence grow. And again, we talked about confidence earlier, confidence in young players. It, they don't know sometimes when they're 21, 22, 23 yet what kind of footballer they're going to be, what kind of career. When things go for them over a period of time, they suddenly go, they can see the horizon. You can see it with Trent when he realised, I might just be world class, you know. I don't know what happens two or three years ago. And then it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think you're seeing, so I've listed Nunes here, Dominic Soboslai. McAllister is a young player still, right? But he's now in a big team. He could have a, soon have a very different view of himself. Curtis will come back in his way. Gravenberg, geez, that could be a stellar traje trajectory there. Uh, 
and Trent himself, and so on and so on. I'm sure I've missed out somebody who... Canate. Canate, again, again, yeah. So I, this is why I, I'm getting more optimistic by the week, really, because of the, these ceilings I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. I think that the thing with, with Spurs and, and obviously Arsenal have, have, have had last season and they, they are building, you know, you, you can't discount that. But, you know, with Spurs, the, man, the, the manager's interesting saying there's still a loads to come from his side. And obviously the manager is going to say that. But I, I think that's more in a sense of, well, there's, there's an evolution still here. Maybe not, it's not totally with the players we've got. A lot of them are probably playing, you know, not out their skin, but they are really sort of everything is going their way if you, if you, if you, if you look at it that way. Um, but it's more an evolution in terms of big changes are probably still needed they still, still probably need a couple transfer windows and things like that. But I, just like you're saying there, Rob, I feel like we've already got everything in. We've, we've got everything in. It's now just them working it out together. So manager working out. He probably still doesn't know what his best bid, midfield is, and that's you know that's probably partly by design because he wants to have those options and the different combinations. But I feel like Liverpool have got many ways now to, to, to win a football game, and, and and the threat from all over the pitches is something new. It's something we haven't seen before quite in the same way, um, and I'm I'm not quite seeing that in in, in in sort of some of the other other sides and in terms of our rivals. And I, it's just exciting, isn't it? It's exciting for everyone. Harvey Elliott's another one I keep thinking of, and I'm like, every time I've seen him come on or even start, he's looked a different player. He's looked so sort of hungry and chomping at the bit, and that's I think when your subs are when your subs are doing that, it's it's always a really good sign, isn't it? In terms of where you are and in terms of how if things go, do go wrong, it, it it doesn't sort of derail everything. It's not like momentum can just be sort of taken away that easily. It's there's there's players here, there's plans here, and there's sort of ideas that that, that different players have that can sort of make this side win in different ways. I think the role of the Europa League in all this is key yeah. as well, with us being able to rest and completely change the team midweek. It's almost given us the ability to reset, hasn't it, the Europa League this season. Spurs obviously flying high with no European football at all, a week, a week to prepare for games. Newcastle, I'm under you know, no doubt about their quality and, and their strengths, but over the next five or six weeks, they've got these huge games with Dortmund, with PSG, where they're throwing everything at progressing through that Champions League group. And then they have tough fixtures at the weekend then that follow on from that, where they're not able to make those changes. So I think um, it's put us in a really strong position, the way Jürgen's using the squad and the way that being in the Europa League has allowed him to use the squad. I'm enjoying the joy of just watching this team percolate, Neil. You know, I'd, I'd watch them again today if I could. I'd watch them tomorrow. You know, that genuinely yeah. is, it's its a genuine vibe of whether they're playing Europa League football, whether they're playing League football, League Cup football. I'm just enjoying the idea of watching these footballers play with one another and learn and, and progress. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's a joy, isn't it? When we're, when we're playing so well and we're scoring so many goals, um, you know, two or three goals every, every game, it feels... Um, it, we're a joy to watch and <clears throat> it's the it's the joy of seeing as you say the players come in who are on the fringes and start thinking about what they could add to this um, we've not mentioned him today with Tarendo has had a really strong game midweek and again he's come off the bench and he's looked like he's much more in tune with what we're doing now um, I hadn't realised that his attacking capabilities I thought when he was coming that he was a, just a plain destroyer um, but you can see with the way he moves the ball so sharply and also the runs forward he makes you can almost see Jürgen having to I think Jürgen mentioned it once already this season having to remind him of his defensive duties for, first and foremost which is something I didn't think any of us would be saying um, that he'd be hoping to get in and around the box um, and, and that was the thing that struck me again yesterday with especially in the first 20 minutes or so with Gravenberg and there was a few moments where they were almost falling over each other to be the one to hit it um, some of the there's the one where Sabah's like looks like he's going to hit it shift it create yeah. Into the space, then looks to play Gravenberg in, and you're a bit like, you could have just gone with your left there. Yeah. You, just, you were in the box, it, it, it opens yeah. up, you could have just gone with your left there. Yeah, but you can see the joy with which they're playing yeah. and, yeah. and realizing the trusting each other. Yeah, exactly. And realizing, I was to say, realizing the quality that they both inherently have. And we, we've seen that with Trent gushing over Subozlai, well, everyone <laughs> gushing over Subozlai, and rightly so. Very jealous of uh, the Anfield Raps Harriet Pryor yesterday, uh, with a one on one interview with uh, Big Dom. Um, <laughs> I'd have loved to have been in her shoes. Uh, but uh, you can see that um, they're, they're realising the capability there and we're still looking at players who at the moment are sidelined obviously uh, Luis Diaz because of the situation but Thiago and, and what he could bring if he perhaps was slipped into that role as, as the six in some of these games at home uh, whether that's a forlorn hope I, I, I don't know but and Europe's best young number burgeoning number six Stefan yeah. Bajetic yeah there's God. so much to be positive about and <laughs> that guy yeah, and yeah what, whatever whatever we're lining up with fielding at the moment I'm expecting goals and expecting Liverpool win
Okay, uh, excellent stuff all around. We're going to talk about Bournemouth in a minute or two, but before then, uh, a couple of weeks back, I spoke to Joanne Anderson uh, about Kindred, about STOs, about Liverpool's status around social enterprises. Stay with this, it's genuinely very interesting indeed. Liverpool City Region won an award uh, in terms of its social enterprise and its t- social enterprise status. That came through at the start of October. Joanne Anderson, the former mayor of Liverpool, uh, accepted the award and she's inexorably involved in the process of social enterprises being central to Liverpool's economy. Now we're going to go through this step by step because this has been a learning education for me. It's going to be a learning education for you and we're going to move through it with Joanne to explain what this is. So the first thing whenever I get sent these documents and I do in part because what I do with the Anfield Wrap and you've sent me some for the purposes of this. The first thing to say is Liverpool has a great many what we call STOs. STOs are socially trading organisations. That sounds very, very, very formal. How would you define an STO? So a socially trading organisation, also known as a social enterprise, is a business that has looks at the triple bottom line, profit, uh, social impact and environmental impact. Mm -hmm. So these are what's called purpose-led organisations. So it's not not for profit that you know they want to make a profit, yep. but that profit that they do make goes back into their organisation, and they usually have a social mission, whether that's helping homelessness, uh, you know, homeless people, whether that's working with young kids who are helping them divert them away from crime. But they usually have a social mission, usually um, you know around the environment as well. They have a good environmental impact. So different from your normal SME or your normal organisation in the sense that very much driven by its purpose. So when we think about that purpose and think about that within Liverpool, there has been, part of why Liverpool wins this award is because there's a great number of these within Liverpool, but there's also a desire for there to be a push to get more and more. For instance, you know, um, Steve Rotherham, uh, when this came out, said he was really pleased that Liverpool City Region is the first city region to gain this accreditation. It builds on the investments and the investments in Kindred, which is an organisation you're part of, to support these STOs across the whole of the region. Yeah. So we've had socially trading organisations. We were once called the Social Enterprise Mafia back in the early 2000s. <laughs> we were sort of leading the way in the country of loads of socially trading organisations. So think of Bulky Bob's Furniture Resource Centre, Blackburn House, the women's organisation, all socially yeah. trading organisations. The one I like to explain to people because I think they get it the most is home-baked at Anfields with yeah. the pies because it's a quality pie. You know, you're eating the best pie there is, a Scouse pie. You perhaps aren't buying it for the reason of it also helps homeless people into work and employment and as other social missions you might just be buying it because it's a nice pie you might just want the piece of, yeah. you want the food you want yeah. the product yeah so a quality product because a lot of people aren't buying it for its social mission they're yeah. buying it because they want a quality product so we've been doing social enterprises social trading organizations for a long time in liverpool in fact i set up the first black-led social enterprise in 2000 in a vision consultancy uh, an equal ops consultancy and a set up a black social traders network uh, just before I was made as well. So to go through this, there, there was a kindred across the last couple of years that we've increased in terms of what the way kindred has supported. We've increased employees by 95%, 71 jobs uh, to 158 uh, in there as well. Uh, increased the collective turnover by over 100%. Yeah. But as far as you're concerned, this is just the first step. There's a lot to be yeah. proud of here, yeah. but this is a way to reimagine the way in which effectively capital can work across the whole city region. Yeah. And we're building a social economy and, and saying building a social economy, you know, Social Enterprise um, UK Limited as as accreditors with Social Enterprise status for the region, recognising the good work that's gone on a long time. And before Kindred, there was lots of people working in the field of Social Enterprise, like the School of Social Entrepreneurs. But Kindred is a 6.5 million investment pot from the Liverpool City region Mm -hmm. and that was set up a few years ago with power to change and the aim of that was you know asking the community this is your money what you want to do to help your economy grow and so what's special about kindreds compared to other places across the across the country is we designed co-designed the financial products for kindreds for those socially trading organizations so they wanted 0% interest they wanted unsecured loans they wanted to pay back some in social impact and so we've done that well the kindreds have done that and they've had the first and two investment rounds got those fantastic stats 
stats in terms of economic impact and social impact. They've you know come up with over 50 new social innovations within communities, as well as making a good environmental impact, as well as reaching 25% of each investment round has gone to black-led social enterprises and nearly 50 have gone to female-led social enterprises. Now, that just might be the way we do things up here, but actually that's quite... Uh, new across the yep. country because everyone's trying to reach those black-led social trading organisations and stimulate that social economy. Kindreds are very good at that, but I imagine, as you imagine, 6.5 million on those terms is going to run out pretty quickly. So power to change have commissioned me to try and turn that pot into 50 million. And I've been working this on this a while, working with social investors across the country saying, you know, give some of your money for Liverpool, basically. <laughs> and not just that, we're being really cheeky, we're saying, not only only do you want your investments? It mightn't be that Kindred becomes a, a big social investment fund. It might be just that we just earmark other social investment funds for Liverpool, but we want it recycled back into the region on a place-based investment. And I just think, you know, these, you know, when you talk about 50 million and big numbers, and it, that can feel quite scary. What I see is transformation on an absolute. Just, just, yeah. I mean, just as as the, the the people listening to this, yeah. so let's be clear about this. When we say recycle back in yeah. on place-based investments it is the idea isn't it that if we get this right if yeah. you get this right the people you're working with get this right and, and not that everything's got to succeed but if mm. the overall principle works it is the idea that it can become self-perpetuating over yeah. a period of time yeah and so you know normal business failure rates i don't know the stats of it we found in um you know social trading organizations people give up their lives it's a whole passion if you look at paul of farm urban mm -hmm. you know he's done a phd in it it's his whole passion so kindreds has those relationships a trusted relationship with people over the longer term. Future Yards is, is being involved yeah. with Kindred's. Prime example, I think that was a £300 grant the first time. Yeah. Not by Kindred, but a long time ago, but in, in other guises. £300,000 grant? No, no, £300. Just only £300? To, to do an event, wow. yeah. And now they employ 40 people and yeah. well, half a million turnover or whatever. I don't know the... And a social hub in Birkenhead, I'll point yeah. that out, and yeah. an arts hub in yeah. Birkenhead, yeah. an area that didn't have anywhere near as yeah. much arts funding as you'd like. So Kindred's have been involved with sort of creating these clusters and mm -hmm. helping these clusters to grow and they're not taking full credit but actually because the future are you know what happens in that area and you know down the streets of bakeries opens yeah. and that's the kinds of things so not only do we have those great outcomes in terms of economic impact but we take over areas that are you know other people don't want to be in and mm -hmm. you know it's just so Baltic is a prime creative of you know it's one of the you know I think it's one of the biggest asset owning CICs so social trading organisations in the country but for those of us that are old enough you know the Baltic area was a terrible area 15 mm -hmm. years ago wasn't it there was nothing going on I am also else's. old enough yeah you are <laughs> old enough but you know that's yeah. so Baltic is a great example not everyone's going to be as big as Baltic but we're finding other clusters starting in other areas uh, because of this act Activity being stimulated so we create or they create a kindred a good pipeline new people entering into this world of social trade and organization that first stage to grow social investments is really scary you know certainly as a social trade and organization I didn't take on social investments mm -hmm. I was risk averse despite my own personal finances I was risk averse to borrow money from a business perspective and that's quite scary but that's how businesses grow so the first kinds of rounds of social investment which is can be low scale, can be anything from £10,000 to £70,000. Yeah. Um, you know, getting into that, you know, mindset of actually believing in my business enough that I'll be able to pay this back and, you know, knowing that Kindred trust and that it's our money, it's not a bank, it belongs to all of us as social trading organisations. Too much bigger people now, we're uh, far bit urban in order yeah. to grow, will need to, you know, invest in themselves and get money to, to in order to do that. So people can find Kindred, uh, you just yeah, on type the website, it in and search Kindred engine. LCR. Kindred LCR uh, sits there for that. If, for either side of this, mm. I'd say is a key part. If people are interested, perhaps mm. in, in in finding a way to invest yeah. or contribute mm. in the one sense, or just see what sort of social enterprises STOs are part yeah. of this. A... The flip side is if people would like yeah. to find ways to get funding as well, yeah. Kindred LCR. That's, yeah. that's what they should look for. And there's a social enterprise directory on Kindred LCR. So also buy from social trading organisations because <laughs> you're not just getting a good pie. You do a good social impact. There you go. That's everything you need to know. It was educational for all of us. Uh, there weren't too many acronyms either. Uh, if you want to know more, it's all on that website. Uh, and they do explain the acronyms as they go. As ever, a pleasure to speak to Joanna.
Bournemouth then, Roberto. What do you think he's going to do? I think he's going to go a bit weaker than. Is this the one where you're going to your Bobby Clark shout? Well, no, Bobby's I'm... not going to be available. I don't think. What's wrong until, with him? He, Well, he's not been in any squads because he's not. Been, the manager said after the Thursday night game that uh, Bobby Clark and Ben Doak would have featured, but they both got injuries at the oh, minute. So right. I, I don't think Bobby Clark's unfortunately going to be involved, and that's why I'm, I'm intrigued by what we think he's going to do with the team for this one because. You know, obviously there is the, the the ongoing situation for Luis Diaz. There's a couple of players coming back from injury. There's other players, I think, who... This is going to sound mad to people who aren't in this country, so I want, please bear with me on this. Bournemouth's a long way away. Mm. And I think if, for instance, he's not going to use Virgil van Dijk, I don't think he's going to want him to travel. Uh, you know, it almost like he'd probably rather Virgil slept in his own bed. You know, I think there's a fair chance that Mo Salah doesn't go. I think mm. so far with the Europa League games, I think there's been a. Obviously, there's always been this idea of certain players will come off the bench, keep them sharp, etc., etc. I think there's a fighting chance Liverpool's weakest eleven, maybe of the whole season. Um, although we'll see if they if they manage to turn the two Europa League games into dead rubbers, could be this one weakest eleven and bench could be this one. Um, I'm, I'm I'm basing that on the fact that there's four, five or six unavailable at the minute uh, for this. You know, I, I, I think, I think it might be a, it, it might be a changed team, but there might not be a break glass option on the bench. Just sort of see what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because, because of those kind of. I didn't realise Doak was still going to be out, so that that does create. A problem. Well, he hasn't. Uh, him or Peplin haven't done the press conference yet, and I, I suspect they'll be asked about Doak and they'll be asked about Clark. But they were not. They weren't in the. They weren't in the, uh, the the twenty for the Europa League game. They weren't in the twenty no, for the game at the mid for, at the weekend either. Well, we the, the front three we saw starting uh, in the Europa were Harvey one side, Jota the other, and Nunes got a game. The situation, the, the situation with Luis Diaz, and they don't know how long it, it's going to go on for, and his availability is going to be. They're going to have to. That means they're going to have to be pretty cautious around the front three at the moment. Well, the remaining front three. I think Gakpo is now ready for, to be dropped in and needs the minute. So Gakpo, he didn't start in last week in midweek either. No. I think I'm going to say Gakpo, uh, Gakpo and, and Elliot are going to be in the front three regardless, and that, that's a good start, whoever else makes the cut with them. Um, Perhaps Jota, who's taken off. He might, yeah, I, I think so too. I think the so five too. subs, I think, comes into his advantage here, that he could, he could do 45-45 if he wanted to or something like that. I do think Nunes and Salah will be on the bench. I think he would like to, he, he likes the idea of getting them on and getting them amongst the goals if they can. It's good for their confidence. We always talk about getting Salah a goal. I think, I think the manager in his own mind is thinking, yeah, but in two years' time, it's going to be about Nunes more in terms of our goal haul. So I want to get Nunes a goal as much as possible too. So I think he, I think they will travel. I agree Van Dyke probably won't travel. Curtis definitely comes in because he, need, he needs minutes. Gravenberg is going to be an interesting one because he's now started two. And I, if anything, that was his leggiest looking game, I thought. Even though he comes I thought he off. tied in both halves markedly yeah. in both halves. I think he's, he's good for the first 10 of the second half. He's good for the first 25 of the first. But I thought you actually saw him tire after that point in both halves. Yeah, I, I, th I mean, I don't know what the, the boys' natural fitness levels are. Um, but he had a year of virtually playing no 90 minutes or even 80 yeah. minutes, you know, 25, 15 minute game. So he, I think he's a build up job. So I don't think he'll start. So Endo and Curtis, so I, I can see two other front three are obvious, two out of the midfield are obvious in Endo and Curtis. Um, and in defence, I think obviously the inclusion of Matip and Gomez is obvious. But now you've got another protect Simicass issue. You've got Trent now. He did let him start last midweek, so he's not going to start. So who is the right back option? There's no Connor well, Bradley. There. Possibly Gomez, Gomez and Quanza started centre half. Actually, to you're right. Yeah, because Quanza didn't didn't get any significant minutes, did he last week? So yeah. But then a left back again. It could be a Chambers Scanlon kind of move. So you. So I think we are going into the under 21s, the academy. I think that's the one definite. But I could see another one somewhere. I'm not sure the forward Trey Naoni uh, very very promising young talent we got from Leicester he might be 17 16, 17 I think he'll be in the squad because he trained with the first team um, whether they do something wild and put I think he in. might start McConnell yeah McConnell might start on, McConnell centre mid I think he could uh, w w with Endo and, uh, and, and Curtis Jones. I do agree I think circumstance will force a weaker team um I don't think it's going to be a tactical decision to do. I think it would be stronger had we not got this mounting sort of injury list. Yeah, he does substitute Trent again, though, yesterday, what, with 15 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go? Mm, it's um, just interesting, yeah. Yeah, and I still get the feeling that he's he's still been working Trent back towards his optimum fitness. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure whether we might see him involved. I, I'm, I think it could be a little bit stronger than perhaps you're thinking, yeah. but... It's, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one to, to judge um, how seriously a, a Bournemouth going to take this. 
So um, my, my, my Bournemouth thing is, so for instance, in, in wide areas, the dead interest in Bournemouth, because I don't think Iriola's really settled on his preferred wingers and he's got four or five of them, if you see what I mean. So there's an argument, you know, he's been just sort of chopping and changing. So Clivert, I don't think, starts for him at the weekend, but we've seen Clivert be a good player uh, at different times, if you see what I mean. So I, I think that, why I think this is a dangerous fixture is because I think that Bournemouth can make sort of six or seven changes and the level might be really the same, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's that's in part because the level's not that high, not being that high so yeah. far this season. And also, they'll want to build on the weekend's win. You know, I think there'll be a real sense for them of that at home, they'll want to build on the weekend's win. It's a manager who is under a bit of pressure. So the idea of getting a bit of a scalp building into the... You know, I, I can see it being a really tricky, a really tricky affair for, for that reason. Yeah, I'm, I can. I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt you. I just had a thought. If he does go with your stronger theory, because all I've noticed is like players who haven't had a huge a huge amount of minutes or like someone who's also Soboslai could be dropped in I could see that he's not he's, he's previously rested him alternately but Soboslai's naturally fit he might just go you know what there's got to be the odd week where you play three games and maybe it's only 60-65 but if he was to take the strong approach that you're suggesting that could be one yeah, I, do, I do think it's a tricky fixture <clears throat> and we're on such a crest of a wave at the moment I don't yeah. want to see it dented by mm, you know a disappointing League Cup exit yeah. um, so if you're listening Jürgen <laughs> I think he'd agree yeah, I mean, on th they play at home on Thursday night, don't they, as well? It's not like they've been away in Europe and had a tricky sort of Europa League game somewhere mad. So I think I th I'm, I'm, not I'm not too sure he's going to go as weak as maybe, as we were saying at the start. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Endo and Jones midfield. I think that's, that, that's something I'd like to just see is build, build on a little bit. And, you know, Jones needs the minutes, doesn't he? He, he should be playing the 90. I want to see a few of them get in the rhythm of doing that. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe there could be a funky thing with a bit of a 4-4-2 if he is worried about the forwards a bit and doesn't want to sort of stretch too many and, and do the 45-45. I'm not sure. Be interesting what we expect him we're going to win. Yeah, of course. Yeah, two 0 Yeah, I'm back in Liverpool all the way this season. Uh, there's, there's not. I say all the way. Like Big Dom Slozer, I said to win everything. Yes, <laughs> to win everything. Yes. Yeah, I, th I think there's a real wi win will to win the cups this season. You know, you can, you can never can say with the league, but I think I think Jurgen will be. You you can plan this season around having a real go in the cups, can't you? Because it's there. Let's put so you can get through the first phases of them in second gear, as we've thus far shown. Yeah. Okay, excellent stuff. Uh, everyone is excited, and rightly so. Uh, we are on tour in November. I said the places at the start of the show. Don't make me say them again. Uh, don't make me say them next week. Uh, tickets are selling, uh, but Craig Hannon will kill me uh, if you don't buy a ticket and you're in any of those places. He will hold me personally responsible, so see it as a favour. Uh, it would be great to see you in all no of those locations uh, as we're going across the United States. Thank you very much to Joanne Anderson for coming in and having that conversation with us. Andy Heaton for producing uh, on the audio side, Jordan Singleton on the video side and of course uh, the peerless Rob Gutman, uh, the splendid Fuad Hassan and the man, the myth, the concept that is Neil Docking. See you soon. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.